about me. Uh, I am not a purebred as it relates to my church background. I got saved because a guy named Jeff something, who had a Mike Gundy mullet, uh, opened the door in this little strip center at which when you got to the L, there was a Walgreens and me and my buddy Travis were walking to get a Coke and Mike Gundy lookalike opens up the door in the 90s and says, hey, do you want to come play basketball? Sure. I stayed at that little tiny Nazarene church, don't look it up, for five, six years. As I was coming into my senior year, uh, my friends and I were invited to participate in uh, the big Baptist church, like the mega Baptist church in Cypress, Texas. It was called the Met, the Metropolitan Baptist church. Uh, We were asked to help run the youth group, to do all the skits, songs, etc., etc. At the self-same time, my friends and I started a house church just for high schoolers called First Priority. On Thursday nights, we'd uh, go to Sean Suit's house. There'd be 60 to 75 of us, depending on the week. Kids all on the floor, up the stairs, around the balcony, the banister. And some of us would couple together some worship songs with a guitar and a shaker or something. And then one of us would inevitably get up and preach something mildly heretical. (laughs) But it didn't matter because we were high schoolers. We had no leadership except ourselves, so it's like Lord of the Flies. So listen, it was great. We were cutting our teeth in ministry. Then half of us left uh, to go to our freshman years at uh, college, and we handed this ministry, this house church for high schoolers down to a few guys, one of which was this dude who is a Christian rapper, okay? High school Christian rapper. Um, There's a reason why I'm telling you these details, just wait, okay? So Christian rapper, we're going to call him Lil Rap, okay? Lil Rap goes to a streamer church. Have you ever been to one? Streamer. Okay, so here's, here's a streamer church, ready? Near the front, there is a basket of batons. Then there's a basket of streamers to be used during worship, okay? It's at this same time that I've gone to college. Uh, it's a Tuesday morning, 10 or 11 o'clock. I'm just waking up because that's what you do when you're in college your freshman year. Someone knocks on my door, I open it, and this guy says, hey man, a voice told me to come find you and that you would tell me what happened to me this morning. All right. Um, So first thought is dude is tripping, okay? (laughs) Or... He thinks I've narked on him, and so he's just trying to get the door open, and then he's going to beat the snot out of me, teach me a lesson. So I reluctantly let this guy in. My huge roommate, Wade, is not there. He's at class, so I'm a goner if this doesn't go well. Uh, And he proceeds to tell me that that morning on his way back from Matagorda, from a surf trip, why I'm a surfer, he, in his blazer, uh, was was this darkness and this pain was so enveloping him that he was about to 
veer into oncoming traffic. He was going to wait for an 18-wheeler and end it all quickly. The visor on his blazer has this pin slash brooch thing that his very Roman Catholic mother had placed in there, probably of some saint. And it's the kind of pin or brooch that like screws on on the back, okay? Not just lightly in there. Just as he's about to pull into oncoming traffic and hit an 18-wheeler, light floods the inside of his car. He's filled with peace. He senses that he's being washed. And for the next three hours, he has no idea how he saw through the tears. But he comes to uh, Huntsville, Texas. And this voice says, find Britt Carpenter, and he will tell you what's happened to you. Well, I don't know where Britt Carpenter lives. I think I've met him once. He lives in Kirkley Hall, seventh floor, room 319. Ding, ding, ding. Now we're caught up. You guys, I'm a Baptist. (laughs) I am a Baptist, okay? Kidding slash not kidding, I don't think I've even heard of the Holy Spirit at this point in my faith journey. Well... In the next month or two, uh, my new friend Drew is navigating his new birth, and he keeps saying things like, man, God is speaking to me, like, he's telling me to do all this stuff, and I'm still a Baptist, so I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) I can't really argue with what happened to you, though, because you've quit cold turkey all the things, like, just like that, so something's happening. I can't really refute it, but I also don't trust it, okay? Well, that's May. He, this happens in late, late uh, April. Now we're at May. We're finished with our freshman year. He lives near me in Houston. So he, I introduce him to Lil Rap, okay? So Christian rapper and Christian surfer become fast friends. I mean super fast friends. They go super charismatic together. They end up rooming together at Oral Roberts University the next year. Okay. I'm a Baptist still, Okay. Two evenings stand out to me with these guys. One, they invite me to a worship night on a Friday at their church. Okay. So I walk in, someone plays a song or two, and then somebody just runs up to the baton section and starts like, like, (laughs) for Jesus. Right? And then, like, Dale Earnhardt comes over here. He grabs a couple streamers, and he's doing NASCAR around the sanctuary, (laughs) praising God. And I'm like, hold up. One, that's weird. Two, do y'all have a Bible? Like, seriously, do you own a Bible up in here? Is someone going to open the scriptures? Because what is happening with the streamers? Come on. Okay, that's the first one. Number two, it's a year later. They're like super charismatic. You thought that was it. So we're all back home. It's Christmas break or something. There is a revival happening at the George R. Brown Convention Center in Houston, Texas, downtown. I go with them so I feel guilty or something. There's a dude from Florida there that had been a part of a 20-year, like every single night, in a row for 20 years, this revival. 
Um, so somehow I find myself on the convention center floor because everybody went down for the altar call, okay? <laughs> and, uh, and homeboy that's the revival guy, he gets down from the stage and he's got an entourage and he's got this terrible brown suit. I think it was his lucky suit from when the revival started. He was at least 25 years old, just terrible. He starts walking around, he's touching people on the forehead, and the bodies are hitting the floor, okay? Just People are just getting laid out. Well, it's a big convention center. So he says, why not just point at them? He starts pointing remotely, and dudes are just falling out. I'm a Baptist. It seemed as if everybody got slain in the spirit, and I didn't. I felt scared, I felt confused, and I had an overwhelming sense of shame that I wasn't spiritual enough. Otherwise, the same thing would have happened to me. Two extremes by the time I was 20 years old, super Baptist, not sure there's a Holy Spirit. Streamers, bad suit guy with a Holy Spirit gun that's invisible. So, uh, I then transferred to Christian Disneyland, College Station, Texas. <sighs> Texas A&M, Bible studies all the time, all the time Bible studies. Uh, College was great. Like, you'd go to five Bible studies a week, hang out with your friends at the library, act like you're studying, take a test for me, get a B on it. That's a win. <laughs> then it's Friday night, and somebody's throwing a sweet dance party with no alcohol, and it's awesome. And we dance till we drop, and it's super fun. That was college. Uh, it was great back then. You should have been there. Uh, the other part of A&M was that I realized pretty quickly as I sat under great Bible teaching that I didn't know the scriptures, hence all the bad sermons, if we can even call them that, at first priority. So I became uh, the Bible boy. I went headlong into the scriptures. I had to know everything there was to know about it, uh, just Bible studies all the time. So at this point, I've been a Nazarene. No one knows what that is. I've been a mega church Baptist. I've seen the streamer Holy Spirit handgun thing. Now I'm in a Bible church and I'm going all in. And it was at the same time that I'm getting mentored by some folks that thought the charismatics were off their rockers and kooky, and I tended to agree. Then I end up at Dallas Theological Seminary, not charismatic if you don't know anything about it. Um, the official party line at Dallas is that as the, uh, the apostles die, so do the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because now we have the New Testament. We have the canon. That makes a lot of sense to me. Right? Like, like as the apostles die, as the church is being birthed, this charismania stuff that's happening, or so I feel, 
is now being replaced because now we have Holy Scripture. We have the New Testament, right? I like this. I don't like streamers or guys in bad suits. I do like the Bible. This works for me. I'm comfortable. Anytime someone at this point says, I feel like God's saying this, I'm like, dude, maybe, but like, I'm having a hard time obeying what's in here, and I know 100% this is from Jesus. And then you're adding some other stuff to obey? Like, is it possible that we could just obey this first before God speaks some more stuff? Right? This is where I'm at. Now, somehow I graduate from Dallas Seminary, and three weeks later I get on a plane, Singapore Airlines, and I show up in Indonesia. So, Lil Surf, Lil Rap have started a church in Bali, Indonesia a few years prior. Cool, right? Uh, Bali is one of three islands in a 14,000 archipelago named Indonesia, which is the world's largest Muslim country per capita. And I show up there straight from Dallas as a cessationist, sorta, okay? So I think the sign gifts are probably gone. I know this is from Jesus for sure. And then I'm at a church that was started by two Oral Roberts guys that are super charismatic. And the people that are coming to this church plant are with Youth With a Mission, they're Bethel people, they're open theists, they're all kinds of things I'm not. And what started to happen for me is I'm pushing back against some of the things that I think are really uncomfortable and, and I'm pushing more of the scripture. And over the course of a year, this beautiful thing started to happen wherein we learned from each other. You see, because as I watch these folks care for orphans, as we planted a church together in a really hostile spiritual environment, I couldn't discount what they were hearing. I couldn't discount some of the gifts. <coughs> Why am I telling you this story? It's because in here right now, we grew up in traditions somewhere along this pendulum. And most of us either didn't have good teaching around it and or more likely have a bunch of pain surrounding who the Holy Spirit is, how he works, how he speaks, and what the spiritual gifts are. I needed solid biblical teaching when I was 20. I got streamers and then I got cessationists. I needed a middle way. I needed a middle way. And the reason why we're doing this sermon series on Corinthians 12 through 14 is that we need solid, robust teaching rooted in the sufficiency of the scriptures that allows the Bible to speak for itself about the person and work of the Holy Spirit and the gifts. Solid, robust teaching rooted in the sufficiency of the scriptures that lets the Bible speak for itself on the person and work of the Holy Spirit and the gifts. I'm not the authority on the Holy Spirit or the gifts. The Bible is. So let's go there. Page 959. This is Paul's first letter to the Corinthian church. <laughs> Chapter 12. Now, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. 
There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. That last phrase, for the common good, is the framework for us this morning as we study this passage. The spiritual gifts are given for the common good. That is the banner under which we receive this teaching this morning. For the common good. He starts in verse 4 with a bit of a Captain Obvious statement. There are different kinds of gifts. Yep. The sun is out, therefore it is sunny. Thanks, Paul. Got it. Okay? It seems obvious, right? There are different kinds of gifts. But in the first century church, these Corinthians didn't seem to get it. The obvious wasn't being lived into, wasn't being practiced. It seems that they had elevated certain gifts, particularly the gift of tongues, over and above others. Paul's reminding them that there's a bunch, there's a grip, there's a gander, a gaggle, a whatever you want to call it. Heaps, as my Australians like to say. Gosh, I love Australians. There's knowledge, there's healing, there's tongues, there's interpretation, there's faith, there's teaching, there's helps. Hallelujah, there is administration. Mm. You guys, in 2017, Britt Carpenter was the leader of the Lawndale Life Group. Okay? That means... I write the emails, I plan the meals. You should be laughing. <laughs> this is not what Britt does. Like, I think for an entire year, I didn't get one email right. Like, I even left my, my wife off the email. <laughs> like, enter Anne Guerrero, Melissa Chalfant. They come alongside me and they say, hey, we actually have this gift, can we help? Now our life group works like a dream. Thank you, thank you. One body, many parts. Paul is reminding the Corinthians that there's more than just the gift of tongues. And I don't want to spend too much time on the gifts themselves. Paul's going to get there in the coming verses. But what's pertinent to us is the setup. What Paul is getting at, the point of verses 4 through 7 and 11, is that the Holy Spirit is behind them all. As we think about the gifts, the Holy Spirit is behind them all. There are different kinds of gifts. There are varieties of gifts, 4B, but the same Spirit distributes them. The Holy Spirit distributes the spiritual gifts. It's not up to you. It's not up to you. The Holy Spirit distributes the gifts as he determines. Some dude in a bad brown suit can't impart a spiritual gift to you. Do you understand this? Because I didn't. Solid biblical teaching rooted in the sufficiency of the scriptures that let the Bible speak for itself. The Holy Spirit distributes the gifts. It's not up to you. 
It's not up to someone else. And there is some teaching out there right now that says, if you do not have the gift of tongues, you are not a believer. False, false, false. It's false. It's false. There's also teaching that says, you know, that one gift that looks really cool, if you just pray with the right formula and you pray really hard, you'll get it. False. Holy Scripture says, as the Spirit distributes them, I can pray till I'm blue in the face for the gift of physical healing. If the Holy Spirit has not distributed that to me, it ain't going to happen. Okay? That doesn't mean God won't use my prayers, some one-offs, and do some healing, but the gift itself has to be distributed by the Holy Spirit. Verse 5. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. The Holy Spirit is the Lord. He is God. He's the third member of the Trinity. The Apostles' Creed says it very plainly. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Again, the first eight years of my life, I didn't know who the Holy Spirit was. I had him. No one taught me about him. Now, there are different kinds of working, verse 6, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Do you see it? Verse 4, the same Spirit. Verse 5, the same Lord. Verse 6 now, the same God. It is the same Spirit, the same Lord, the same God that distributes the gifts as He wills. Why? So that a few of us can get up front and get really popular, right? No. Verse 7 is the answer. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given. Why? For the common good. That's why the gifts are here. Uh, manifestation is a trigger word for me because of the streamers. Uh, I'm serious. It really is a trigger word for me. So I looked it up in the Oxford Dictionary. A version or incarnation of something or someone, love that. The late Latin verb uh, manifestare says it this way to make public. So the gifts are manifestations of the Holy Spirit that point us to Jesus who came to point us to who? The Father. It's the Trinity. The gifts are the manifestations of the Holy Spirit that point us to Jesus who told us about the Father. And so for us this morning, to every individual who is a follower of Christ, you have been uniquely gifted by God. Every person who is a child of God has been gifted with at least one spiritual gift. Why? For the common good. For the common good. Now, we are a lot like the Corinthians as American Christians. We have elevated certain gifts. In some circles, it's the tongues thing. Uh, in Baptist Bible circles, it's the teaching gifts. We need them all. 
what we've done is we've said, man, I really like that gift. That one looks cool. That one looks fun. And what we've done, Matt Chandler says, I love this. He says, when we elevate other things and when we desire the other gifts that we don't have, it paralyzes us and turns us into spectators rather than participants. If you're wondering why your Christianity is boring, it's because you're a spectator. I'm having a blast up here, by the way. I don't know if you guys are. I'm having a blast. And somehow has a blast writing perfect emails every time. I don't know how she does it, but the Spirit distributed it to her, not to me. And I tried to live into her gifting, and it was terrible. Don't let me do that again, people. I can't do emails. We become spectators rather than participants. All these gifts are, as the Oxford Dictionary defines it, the incarnation of someone, the making public of the spiritual reality of our new birth. The promised Holy Spirit who leads us into all truth by reminding us of all that Jesus taught, John 15 through 17, and he gifts each one of us for the common good to do what? To build up Jesus' bride, the church, as we go on mission making disciples, developing kingdom leaders in the marketplace, in our neighborhoods, and in our schools. Frat snap. The gifts are the incarnation, the making public of the spiritual reality of our new birth. The Holy Spirit, the one that was promised, who leads us into all truth, reminds us of all the things that Jesus taught, And he gifts each one. You guys, if you don't know what your spiritual gifts are or gift, it's not because you don't have them. You just don't know. The Spirit gifts each one for the common good to build up the bride, the church. Verse 6 and 7 in the message really do a beautiful job of expressing this. God's various expressions of power are in action everywhere. But God himself is behind it all. Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. Isn't that great? Each person is giving something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit and to all kinds of people. Praise God. So this morning, uh, if one of us gets healing, if one of us is able to hear clear teaching, it's worth it. The Holy Spirit is not the weird uncle. You, you, got, you got one. You got a weird uncle. It's okay. You're human. If you don't, you're the weird uncle. Sorry to tell you that. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. The Holy Spirit is not the weird uncle. 
He's not the afterthought or the weirdo in the Trinity. Forgive me if that's... He's God. He's good. He's a gentleman. He points to Jesus who pointed to the Father and Holy Spirit has given to each one of you a gift. A gift that if not employed means that we all suffer. It's hard to use your hand if your elbow doesn't exist. Fifth grade, Brian Bordano. I don't know why. I don't remember doing anything wrong to him. He gives me a little <laughs> off the deck of the monkey bars. When I came to, my arm was behind me here. Not good. And when I turned around, the hand just kind of these two bones, the radius and the ulna, were in, in two, as it were. Hence, my hand would not work. And I screamed like crazy, as you can imagine. One body, many parts. If you guys aren't using your gift or gifts, we are suffering. I can't be a part of a life group if I have to do the emails doesn't work. Everybody suffers. Thank you. Thank you. Now, you remember that sufficiency of Scripture piece that we talked about? Well, here's where I had to be pushed in love. Not all things are a matter of information. Some things are a matter of power. When Oma, which means grandmother, at the orphanage in Bali would get possessed every full moon, because that's when the Hindus would do their full moon festivals. You can imagine how it would go if I went there and I doled out some information. You know, Oma, I really think you ought to be living into and remembering the five points of Calvinism, because I really think that's going to help this demonic thing go away. Some things don't get accomplished with information. They're accomplished through power. For we did not come to you with cleverness of speech, 1 Corinthians 2, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that, listen to this, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You guys, Holy Spirit is safe. He's good. He's part of the Trinity, which means he's God. It's not weird. As we come to the table this morning, let us remember what Jesus said. He made this audacious point to his disciples. He said, it's actually good. I'm going to go away in a little while, and it's actually better for you that I leave. This is the Messiah speaking. Can you imagine the disciples when they're hearing, Lord, why would you go away? How could this be good? 
He said, this is actually for your good because I will send the promised Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the counselor, the friend, to be with you and in you. And that self-same one has gifted each one of us for the common good. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that in a clear, plain reading, the Holy Spirit is there. Lord, thank you that in clear, plain reading, we see that he's good and that he gifts each one of us to build the whole up and that there's order. And so, Lord, wherever we're wounded, wherever we need more of you, would you gift us with that this morning? Lord, as we go to the table, as we take the bread and the wine, we remember your sacrifice for us, Jesus. Lord, we just confess that we need you. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill us afresh. Remind us of all that Jesus taught. Amen.